Hello and welcome to another episode of The Clever Kids. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers take a look at a topic and a movie from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name is Tyler. You got Brian here. And Jeff, as always, here to star in the show. Correct. Um, this week, we're talking about the 1986 uh, musical uh, directed by Frank, oh, sorry, Little Shop of Horrors, directed by Frank Oz, written by Howard Ashman, Roger Corman, Charles B. Griffith, uh, starring Rick Moranis, Ellen Green, Vincent Gardenia, Steve Martin, and others. Um, I was the one who picked this movie. Um, this is a film that uh, I was aware of, like, conceptually through just like pop culture you know it's a movie that gets referenced or a story that gets referenced a lot um i specifically remember an episode of a cartoon that jeff really liked called billy and mandy um back in back in the day um where they there's literally this storyline like a plant that wants to be fed people i mean full spoilers this is a pretty obvious um concept in the movie um I, uh, so anyway, I, I've been aware of it for a very long time, but I'd never checked it out until about, I don't know, like during the pandemic, really, it was during the pandemic that I, I eventually just saw it on a streaming service and was like to my wife, like, let's, j- let's give this a shot. And both of us loved it, uh, completely. And so now we watch it like annually, basically. So when Jeff chose musicals, um, for this season of the podcast, I, uh, I knew exactly which one I was going to make my brothers watch. So um quick plot summary um a florist shop is doing poorly until one of the amateur florists brings in a new plant that he found in chinatown and uh it turns their fortunes around for good until it's um revealed that the plant subsists almost entirely off of human blood and bodies start to fall how's that for a plot synopsis that's off the top of the dome right there um I want to get first thoughts from my brothers. I think we can, this movie's pretty old. And again, it, there's not really a lot to spoil. There's no twists or anything in this movie. Um, so I think we're going to do just full spoilers from the jump. So full spoilers for this movie and any movie that you've ever seen or wanted to see, just be aware that we're probably not going to hold back on different plot points of various films, even more recent films. The gifts um, you're getting for your birthday. We know what they are and we're about to discuss them. That's correct. Um, so, who wants to go first with their thoughts? Do I have to pick one of you? I'll go. go first. Oh, Brian. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm going. I'm not going to pass it off. All right. Uh, this is uh, about the best experience I could have hoped for when you make me watch an 80s horror musical. I thought that was about the worst combination I could think of uh, beyond a documentary watching grass grow. So... Um, it was okay at best. It, um, I thought some of the music was catchy, so I'll give it that. Um, and once I realized not to take it too seriously, uh, it got a little bit more enjoyable because definitely at first I was like, wait a minute, they put this odd looking plant in the window and then everyone comes rushing in because of that plant to buy stuff, but none of them want to buy the plant. They just want to come in to buy other stuff. Um, 
but then I realized you just can't take it that seriously and, and you know, you'll be better off and, and that's what happened. So, um, you know, just general opinion was it was okay. Man. All right. Well, I'm going to, I need one of the listeners to keep track of all the times that Brian in the episode before I make a recommendation, just totally shits on my, on my choice and then comes in and tells me that it wasn't actually that bad. Um, Oh, I've, I've got that tally. It's uh, one, um, two, it's two, it's twice. He did it for the thing as well, where he was like, can we get out of the eighties? I'm so sick of this. And then came in and was like, actually the thing was pretty good. (laughs) Um, Go ahead, Jeff. What were your thoughts? Uh, I enjoyed it um, to some extent. I mean, I I, um, I don't know. The premise didn't necessarily grab me, but um, I enjoyed the performances more than anything, which I guess is, is really what the pro- point of this film is, is the performances are just super fun. Um, Rick Moranis does a stereotypical Rick Moranis performance of being this hapless kind of idiot who falls himself, finds himself in, in this kind of weird story. Um Overall, it was enjoyable. The uh, uh, cameos definitely caught me off guard uh, with uh, Steve Martin playing an Elvis impersonating uh, (laughs) sadistic dentist um, is super funny. Bill Murray playing, I I don't even know what to to consider him. Just like a sadist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. very funny uh yeah the first time i saw it and i was like oh steve martin's in this and then when he hit that song that his uh, opening song his introduction song where he talks about like killing puppies and poisoning guppies and killing kittens and whatever and then his mom being like you need to find a way to make some money off of your violence and he's like i got the perfect idea and then he becomes a, a dentist and he just loves hurting people i just i found that to be very very a very funny yeah. Dude, Bill Bur- Bill Murray just like getting his rocks off to getting dental work done was yeah. just the two of them together was so bizarre. Yeah, very funny. Also, yeah, when Bill Murray first shows up, you're kind of like, "What the hell, <laughs> Bill Murray's in this? What work did you get done?" Yeah. <laughs> oh no way! That's yeah. funny. Did you know that this very is the good. only film that Steve Martin and Bill Murray are in together? Uh, I did not know that, but um, I mean, it doesn't necessarily surprise me but i guess maybe it does i mean they had a lot of it would have had a lot of crossover you would think but i'll insert a theory here that it was because that scene was so weird that they just could not look (laughs) each other in the eyes again who's who's on this picture steve barton uh oh uh you know i am actually busy that week uh i have have a dentist Uh, no i don't oh my god (laughs) (laughs) um dude steve martin's character was ridiculous like he literally punches his you know like front desk lady or you know aide or whatever and uh he's like i don't know throughout the whole thing just i i don't know i'll just say the word ridiculous he's just the whole time he's on screen i was finding it like unenjoyable in in the best way where you know he was just a very unpleasant person but like you couldn't stop watching to see what he was going to do next well the part that caught me off guard was like how much he emulated elvis as he was like when he was the part that that just caught me off guard because it's very clear the whole elvis impersonation aspect but the part that caught me off the guard the most is when rick moranis sits in the chair and steve martin starts raising the chair up he's doing like this like Elvis body jerk with each step of the stool to try and get Rick. I was like, what, what the fuck? That's- yeah. 
his his interactions with his motorcycle were very funny too. Like he like at one point just gets off his motorcycle while it's still rolling, and it just parks itself a few feet away. And he I does don't know, that you know twice. How, yeah. 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 And and then and then later he like comes flying in from like way too high. Yeah, in, and like just like alley. lands in a dead dead end alley, and it just stops perfectly. I thought yeah. that was very funny too. I was like, I was like, maybe he caught a little bit of air, but I mean, he's like coming in from like higher <laughs> than ten feet. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the second story, like he rode off the roof. Um, what did you guys think about the music in this movie? I mean, it's obviously Jeff chose musicals, so um, we had to choose a musical, and I wanted to to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Were the songs catchy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the voice actor for the plant himself has an incredible range. Every time that the plant was singing, I was like, yeah, I'd probably feed this thing blood too. It's a really good singer. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I don't know how much of it they were actually singing themselves. Like, I don't know um, if Rick Moranis, in fact, I'll look it up. Uh, they did. They sang their parts. Yeah, so he's uh, apparently he did sing his own part. Yeah, it's impressive. I uh, I always like it whenever there's an actor that I'm aware of who then I see in a singing role. Like I obviously was introduced to Hugh Jackman uh, well after his Broadway stint, um, but I remember years later finding out about his performance in Oklahoma, which ended up was one of the main reasons why he ended up getting his role as uh, Wolverine. Because they were like, wow, you can really sell that american accent (laughs) (laughs) more than his performance on on the was impressed ian mckellen and um patrick stewart but um yeah so brian what did you think about the music in this movie because you're not really a fan of musicals yeah in general it's it's a win if it's somewhat catchy and and they had a couple that were so i you know i've been singing suddenly seymour like ever since so Um, (laughs) yeah she ellen green is that actress's name and she really like playing this like sort of meek high-pitched mini mouse voice throughout the whole movie which i feel like brian did you hate it did you I hate did her? absolutely yeah. hate that that's so funny because kelly was talking about how she didn't really like it and i was like i could just feel brian watching this and yeah. just getting more and more like fur- infuriated throughout the movie yeah the more the I, I was it. trying to remember where else i like i was getting like some ptsd to another character in some classic film that like I was thinking maybe it was one of the the side girls in uh, Greece. I feel yeah. like it talks yeah. like that, mm-hmm. and I can't. The one who her, it goes but... to beauty school is the one. Yeah, that I was thinking of. and I just remember that was always like nails on a chalkboard to me. And, and so it's funny that you say that because the whole movie I was like, oh my god, like I need her to stop talking. It's driving I just, me crazy. I I seriously I said it to Kelly a few times. I was just like I just I could just feel Brian just like seething with anger at this woman's voice. I hate <laughs> I her feel. that voice. Yeah, it's but I was really she does triggered. a really good job of of projecting that like meek sort of modest voice. And then during suddenly see more, just like just hitting those like she had some high pipes, notes yeah. and those deep, like low. It's I was, funny because like, during suddenly see more, there's a point where she starts like really letting it fly. And I was like, see, so that's not your real voice. Like, no, <laughs> why did you yeah, do this course. to me? <laughs> why didn't you just use your normal voice? Yeah. But, well, I mean, it's, it's like a uh, representation of the fifties, which is the same thing that Greece is. Right. So maybe there was like some sort of expectation that women on screen kind of exuded this sort of like hyper feminine image with that, that like super high pitched voice. Right. And so it's kind of like, 
she t- ratchets it up to 11 in this movie, you know, to this point where it's like, it's almost hard to understand what she's saying half the time. Her, <laughs> her performance. So, I mean, she's Ellen Green is the only actor in this film who actually is from the original cast of the off-Broadway production. Right. Um, and so you can she originated the character. It's her character. And so you can yeah. tell in the way that she performs, it's very stage actor. It's very, everything's over enunciated, overperformed because that's yeah. how stage acting is done. And so like just the way that the word that she said repeatedly that, that caught me is the way that she said, doctor, um, doctor, doctor. And it was like, uh, just, um, way, way over pronunciated, but that was the point. Um, so yeah, she, she, yeah. she really toned it up for this film. I'm assuming because it was going to be such a, I don't know, satirical uh, approach. Yeah. Um, so the reason I wanted to bring up the music is the two guys who wrote the broad... So this movie... Let, let, let me step back here. This movie is actually a remake, in a way, of like a 1956 Roger Corman production. Roger Corman is like the king of B-movies from back in the day. Um, so this movie came out. It was like a double feature didn't really like make a lot of waves, but then Alan Menken and Howard Ashman watched it and like started writing songs to it um, and created an off-Broadway production version of it. Uh, and it was so popular on Broadway that um, they, they got this, this movie made off of it. Now, Alan Menken and Howard Ashman are very famous for, to us for a different reason. And it's based on a topic that we've actually already discussed. And that is, they wrote a lot of the musical Disney movies from the 90s. So Alan Menken has Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas under his belt. He also has Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Enchanted, and Tangled. So he's still going. Um, and then Howard Ashman worked with him on Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin um, before he he passed and then Tim Rice comes in and kind of helps finish Aladdin off. Um, But these two basically had a big part in our childhood as we had previously discussed in a a different episode, which is how much we like Disney musicals. So I thought maybe this would be a time, like a a movie that would really get you guys because of the similarities. I mean, I I feel like you can hear the similarities even when you're watching this movie. Um, to those Disney movies from the 80s and early 90s. You know, there's there's a translation. There, something gets lost in the translation from the stage to the screen for me. I, and this is just a personal opinion. Uh, obviously, I, I know there's a lot of people that love musicals. But um, when I've gone to them in person, like, it wows me. Because I'm like, in real time, to be able to like move scenes in and out and be able to to deliver your lines but then to just sing at the top of your lungs but then switch right back to your role like there's something really amazing about seeing that in real time that when i see it on a movie screen like that part of it is taken away from me and i'm like i'm left with just a bunch of people that decided to sing instead of say whatever they were going to say and and like <laughs> i i have a hard time with that translation where you know, I like I know that they're not singing it live. I know they recorded it in a studio and are dubbing over them singing it shittily in front of the camera. You know what I mean? And like it's like I'm seeing that and I, I'm seeing that it's not perfect with the voice or whatever. And so I know that they're not singing it in real time. And it, it takes away from it. Like in, in, you know, there's so many times where I'm like, you could have just said that part. You didn't have to sing that or whatever. Uh, that like suddenly I find myself with a sour disposition 
you know, watching the film because of that. But in real time, I'm like, dude, how amazing is it that they managed to put all this together and deliver one seamless production with all the challenges that are presented by doing it live in like, I, I just, I, I realized last night watching it that like, that's why musicals aren't for me is that they just, there's something lost in the translation to screen that just well, you like hit for me. what you're saying is you like a stage musical, but it's I, seeing yeah, it on the I've screen to, that you're not. Yeah. I've been to performances in and, and always walked away like, you know, damn, like even if, you know, I'm sure you could play it, a live performance side by side with the movie version and be like, Oh, it, there were more imperfections. you like, you're just able to forgive those or just ignore them because you're like, dude, this is happening in real time live. They don't get multiple takes on this. Like this is just, they got to hit it, you know? And there's something yeah. amazing about that, 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 you know, I walk away so much more impressed than when I watch it on screen and I'm like, you know? Yeah. I, I will I say know. there was like a, when we went and saw Hamilton, uh, we, I, was very familiar with the soundtrack already. Um, but seeing it live, there was like a power to like seeing it live and seeing like the choreography all happening like that, yeah. that honestly, when they were, when Disney plus released their taped version of it, I was so excited for my wife to see the, you know, like what we saw. Right. And then there was something lost even that then, because it was a live recording, but like the camera work took away from like the power of it for me right. because they were like cutting between characters yeah. and stuff like and that if, during it. And I was like, oh, there's something to like when Kelly yeah. and I were in London a couple months ago, we went and saw Wicked live. And like I listened to the Wicked like original cast recording as well. And like seeing it live, I was like, wow, there's like there is something to like being there in the room as yeah, they're it, hitting their marks and hitting those notes in person. I could tell that, you there's so many I, times where I've been to, to one of those and I'm watching some like side character leaning out of like a tower window like that. You honestly could have not seen them the whole time and it wouldn't have taken away from the production. But something about seeing somebody really selling themselves like almost yeah. off off scene, um, you know, it gets lost when you're you're being told what to look at on a film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. There's something about the immersion. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Like seeing those stage productions and seeing like side actors completely like that person could have half asked it. You know what I mean? No one's really paying attention to him. But the fact that they put their whole their whole effort into that side character in the off chance that someone like you is paying attention to him on that right. night. Right. Because most people are not yeah. paying attention to him, but you were. Right. right. And that helps you feel like you're in the moment with them. Yeah, and I don't there's... disagree that there is like something lost between the stage and the screen on musicals. I typically don't like movie musicals. Like I don't mm. like I love musicals like Kelly and I go and see. Well, before COVID, we went to the theater in Portland a lot and saw musicals. Um, and I I enjoy them quite a lot, but I I don't really watch a lot of movie musicals aside from like this one. This pretty much is like the only one, or Disney musicals. But that's more just like a I don't know I don't know why I like Disney musicals. I guess nostalgia. it's the animation, yeah, and the nostalgia of it all. Then again, I don't really go back and rewatch a lot of them. Pretty much just Hercules is the only one I go back and rewatch a lot. And like I listen to the Tarzan soundtrack, but Tarzan soundtrack. But who does? Um, you know what I mean. I do think that at the end of this season, we have to go and be like, okay, which of the movies that we chose has the best songs in it, you know, like, but I think, you know, we'll know that suddenly Seymour is definitely the, the number one. Um, yeah. Uh, what about the comedy? Did you guys think this movie was funny? Did you guys laugh out loud at any points? 
Um, yes, uh, Bill Murray. I mean, Very and funny. when when uh, Steve Martin just sucker punches his his coworker in the face, <laughs> yeah, inflict pain, bam, <laughs> just <laughs> drops her and then continues dancing through the room like that was so ridiculous that I I, I kind of laughed, but yeah. uh, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, I, he completely decks her. The first time I watched it. The part where he walks into his office and rips off his leather jacket is like, you'll be a dentist is that got me very good. Like I was like, oh, that's I personally didn't go to the dentist for like 10 years because I fucking hate the dentist so much. Like I, it really bothers me. So like seeing this per, like evil incarnate be like, yeah, I found a perfect job for me and it's dentist. So like, yeah, that's yeah. exactly how I well, feel about that. And actually. even more funny than that was like Bill Murray sitting in the chair with just jacked teeth and just yeah. like getting his rocks off to every painful thing that the dentist does to you. And I just thought this is triggering some hard PTSD and it probably does for most viewers that have had a lifetime of dentist appointments that were unpleasant. You know? uh, I think my favorite part of that is that Bill Murray walks in and he puts the cotton swabs in his own mouth. Like he just starts grabbing them and putting them in, <laughs> like he knows where they go. Yeah. I always, I thought that was very, very funny. And then he's like, he's got the cotton in his mouth, and he's like, "It's your professionalism that I admire." <laughs> and it's like, dude, you are a mess, man. You need to go get looked at. Yeah, it's a very, very funny character to like put this, and also like how much Steve Martin like hated him because, yeah, because he liked he the pain. It. Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, it was a very funny. Um, yeah way of doing things. I also like when Rick Moranis like resolves that he's going to go kill Steve Martin and then he goes in and Steve Martin puts on like this backpack of nitrous <laughs> with the mask on. Uh, that was that that makes me laugh too is his yeah. weird huffing thing. Yeah. So, so that was funny. I, I didn't find the rest of it very funny to be honest with you. Like the stuff with the plant or in the shop at all. There was one scene right before Suddenly Seymour where um, where the, the song suddenly Seymour comes in where he's talking to uh, Audrey in the alley and she's like, Oh, I met him in the gutter. And she's like, and he's like the gutter. And she's like, yeah, it's like a night spot that I, I work at yeah. when, when I need extra money. And she's like, and I have to wear like slutty clothes, not nice clothes like this. Yeah. She's like super <laughs> low. She's wearing this like a deep cut, like yeah. a high push up bra. Yeah. That made me just, laugh too. I you laughed know, out loud at that. It was such I'll a funny this. comment. <laughs> I'll say this. Seeing Jim Belushi was, was yeah, cool. I that was the one that made time. me think of the topic this week. Yeah, uh, I hadn't seen him in a long time. I, I was kind of hoping that his scene would be funny. And there just wasn't a whole lot of humor in that scene. It was him just trying to set up some kind of contract with Seymour. But, you know, I definitely was like, I know that, you know, now, years later, that Jim Belushi can really deliver humor. And so I was kind of hoping that his scene would be more um comedic but it you know it was still cool to see him on screen yeah so we can get it we off of that oh sorry jeff did you have something nope um off that i think we can get into this week's topic i uh i was i like it caught me by surprise that jim belushi showed up on the screen i I genuinely like had gotten up to do the dishes or something like that because it's towards the end of the movie that that happens and uh I hear the voice and I'm like, what the hell? Is that Jim Belushi's voice? I yeah. completely forgot he was in this movie. Um, and he's in there for such a blink and you miss it moment that right. I um, I was like, wow, like, I always forget that, like, you know, especially this is probably pretty early in Jim Belushi's career. Um, oh, before we get into this, ob- this uh, topic, actually, I did want to bring up one more comment. Sorry, I just remembered this. Um, did you guys recognize who directed this movie? 
Frank Oz. Why is that, that one? so familiar? So he plays Yoda. He is Yoda. He's very famous, like puppeteer. I'm pretty sure he worked under Jim Henson and like worked on the Muppets yep. uh, in the eighties. Um, uh, but he's like a very famous puppeteer. So he is Yoda. He's the voice of Yoda. And like, he manipulated the puppet in all the, the original trilogy. Um, and then he's also the director of the dark crystal, um, Bowfinger and Indian in the cupboard. Uh, he's directed a lot of like weird, like eighties movies. And then also this, I don't Anyway, when I saw his name, I was like, Oh, I don't think I knew that Frank Oz directed this. That's Yoda. That's crazy that he, you know, is Yoda and then also the director of this other movie that I really like. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. So back to the Jim Belushi thing. Sorry, there's my ADD for the listener at home. Um, I wanted to talk about other times that you were watching a movie that like you saw a cameo that just like blew your mind. It was like a surprise cameo that you guys were just like, you know, or that we, you know, it just was like, what the hell? He's what? What is going on here? Um, so I wanted to open it up to you guys before um, I brought up any of mine. Did either of you have one that really surprised you? I got a I got a little list. So okay. Jeff, if you got any, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, most a lot we of we can mine... all just kind of go in a in a cycle, sure, to and just start shouting them out. I mean, the one that surprised me the most that I that immediately came to mind when you gave me this prompt was uh, Brad Pitt in Deadpool two. Yeah. Yeah, Playing that was very funny. And what a short one it was! Just a quick flash, and you're like, "Was that him?" Apparently, it. he act. refused to take a fee for it. Uh, he just made Ryan Reynolds like take him out to coffee or something like that. To... Sure, why wouldn't you? That's why would you get paid for that? That's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He shows up on set for a second to make a face, and then that's it. They CGI'd him in. Um, but yeah, very funny, very funny. Blink and you miss it cameo. The to the point that my wife literally didn't see it the first time we saw the movie in theaters. She did at the end. I was like, that was crazy that Brad Pitt was in the movie. And she was like, what? <laughs> I was like, wait, what do you mean? What? You didn't see it. Um, yeah. She blinked and missed it, I guess. Um, which is very good. Brian, what do you, what's, what's the first one that comes to mind for you? I guess I need uh, someone to, to define for me the difference between cameo and just small side character, because you know, I think there's some ones that come to mind where they have like full scenes. Um, so is it like they're in one scene and then don't recur again throughout the movie? Or how do you define a cameo? Um, yeah, that, that a cameo is really just like they show up, they have like one or two lines and then they're out of the movie. But I can give you an example of my my biggest one that I always think of. And I mean, if we if I'm going to bring up this actor, like we have a lot to run off with him, but it's Matt Damon in Interstellar, which is not a cameo. So in Interstellar, it's like he's in for like no, he's he's, he's a like a surprise character. character, yeah. But I just I remember being in theaters and just being like, what the fuck? Right. So How did I not know Matt Damon was in yeah. this movie? Most cameos um, are a lot of them have unnamed roles. They will typically only be in like two scenes tops. They you know are, are just characters that you don't know about their existence prior to or really after they are in or out of the film. So Matt Damon's yeah. character was easily alluded to and foreshadowed from the very beginning of the film Um, oh he has a name he has action in the film like he has like he has like yeah he's an active contributor to the plot in this film but that's what i always think of is that moment where i just was like 
how like he comes out of the cryogenesis and i'm like how did i not know that david was yeah. in this movie <laughs> worth being said though he is the king of cameos I yes mean, like that i know that one doesn't really count as a cameo but man he's in like the thor movies in a very hilarious fashion yeah. um with the other hemsworth brother um i wrote one down i remember him getting killed in deadpool 2 as well i think yep. he's like a little uh that's right he's l- boy. oh and he it's also you don't ever see his face but it's like it's his voice you can hear his voice but he's wearing like heavy prosthetics so he's like really heavy yeah um, so the other person well in that movie is uh alan tudyk i believe who who's like the other uh redneck drinking beer in the back of a truck in um, the woods or whatever yeah and i don't Very know if they funny. get killed but cable like punch it knocks him out or, or something kill, yeah shot him or something yeah whatever um another person that i seem to remember has random appearances and stuff and it's not even funny like when he does it uh is mike myers does it a lot um he's in inglorious bastards for one scene Mm -hmm. yeah where he plays like a british general british general and it's not comedic at all and then i think he did the same thing in bohemian rhapsody where he's like a a producer or executive Yeah. yeah and it's like why are you even in this like what a weird thing to do with such a recognizable person to like not have it be funny like i get it when it's hilarious but, you know, for him to just, like, appear and, like, deliver some stupid little lines and then vanish like any, like, not no-name actor is just so bizarre to me sometimes with him. And I think maybe he enjoys that. And I'm guessing, like, it feels to me like he likes having that role to where it confuses you walking away. Like, why was he in that, you know? When- yeah, I definitely think that there there's something to some actors being like, oh, I'd love to just be in this like one little yeah, like wanna, you know what i mean just like i want this... people to like question whether it was me the, you know um tyler's in sorry if i can uh switch yeah, to a different cameo please. for a second uh yeah get in there tyler's talking about his his moment with interstellar the same moment that i had that i can emulate that same feeling was uh um tom cruise as lex grossman in tropic thunder yeah that's the first I time I watched that movie in theaters, I, it took me like literally three quarters of the movie to decide it was Tom Cruise. I was like, what? Is it? <laughs> I was curious if that counts because he is in a couple of scenes. No, he's a he. he that's he's a, a role. That's yeah. a performance. That's like he McConaughey. Like McConaughey's like a weird side character too, but like it's still yeah. a character. God, that movie is that movie is all time one of the best. Yeah, yeah, I gotta I gotta throw that on. Um, yeah, all yeah time. I um, um, similarly. Bill Murray in Zombieland uh, would be a questionable cameo because I feel he is like in that one part. is a That's cameo. Totally a cameo. Be- because he a- just shows up for a scene and that like great, he literally though. gets shot immediately. <laughs> oh man, that was good. Yeah, he is in it very briefly, but like, yeah, I just love how Woody Harrelson's character is so excited to meet him. I mean, you know, those guys are buddies in real life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they like Bill fucking Murray, <laughs> yeah. and then he just dies, and he's just like so upset well, and Bill Murray has the entire best line in that film where he just takes the shotgun to the chest and then just goes is this how they say hello where you're from yeah, <laughs> yeah I was trying to remember what that line was just now yeah. but that's great so so I only had one more and I think it's the top cameo maybe of all time I I also wanted to throw out uh, Christopher Walken in Pulp Fiction with the monologue about hiding the uh, the watch up his ass. I don't know if that's a cameo though. It's it might one be scene. considered it's one. It's one scene with a quick monologue and then he's off camera for the rest of the movie. So I don't know, but that yeah. one's really great. Uh, I just didn't know how famous he was back then, so I, I don't know how much that was um, startling to people at the time. But um, the one that I I remember when you first say cameo, this is the first one that pops into my head outside of Matt Damon, and it's in This Is the End. Where there's a couple Channing of Channing, Tatum. there's a couple of Channing Tatum jokes throughout the movie, and then 
uh you know at the end danny mcbride has turned into a uh you know the leader of the chaotic yeah whatever's going on outside everyone's just like oh yeah he is fully embraced the the leader of the breakdown (laughs) of society and then he like basically is talking about how he's like banging some some poor guy that is like his like i don't know sex slave or whatever it's a gimp he calls him his gimp and then he like pulls him out and it's he's like has him like lift up his mask and it's actually Channing Tatum and you're like no way how did they get him to do this (laughs) very funny actually recently I guess I think it was uh Emma Watson when she heard that that scene was in the movie she like got like really upset and was just like this is gross and very weird and like blah 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 and got like really uh, I guess yeah some I don't remember I read the article I, I just I totally believe that I totally believe that yeah, I guess she was like, that was the scene. Like, it wasn't like the weird comments about like rape and that whole scene that she had to be involved in, but it was like the one where they're like literally like this Talking Channing Tatum is like Jenny. a weird sex sleeve. <laughs> that that upset her. Um, Channing Tatum actually had one recently that that surprised me, which was uh, Bullet Train. Did you guys watch that? I have not seen that. I didn't. Uh, well, spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But. Brad Pitt sits down at a table and asks somebody a question. And then when the camera pans to them, it's just Channing Tatum. And it was, I was just like, what the hell? Weird. Okay. They must've been filming it at the same time that they did that other movie that they were in the lost city of whatever that movie was called. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. With the Sandra Bullock. Bullock. Yeah. Um, at any rate, yeah, Channing Tatum just like shows up in that movie for just like a split second, and then and then it's over. I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> okay, um, I've got one. I mean, I, I once you gave us this prompt, I looked up prominent cameos, and while I wouldn't have thought of this film by myself, um, I think this is a pretty fantastic cameo when you actually think of it, and that is Bob Barker's cameo in Happy Gilmore. Is that a cameo? <laughs> I don't know. He's in one scene. He's a full-fledged character. He gets into a fist fight with the main character that is never heard from again. It is funny because it's Adam Sandler like pulling some weight and getting somebody to do something super against type and like super against character. You know, like Bob Barker, like everybody, like, you know, he's on like, what was he on? Uh, Family Feud? Wheel of Fortune. No. Wheel of Fortune. No. Price is right, dudes. Price is right. That's it. Bros. What is your deal? Price is wrong, Bobby. Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah. I, uh, it's so against type for Bob Barker to be in a role like this and then also to be violent and like swearing and stuff, you know? So it's, it's just very, it is a, it is a good role for him. Um, I have a couple more that I, I pulled from some lists online. Um, Johnny Depp showing up in 21 Jump Street at the end mm-hmm. uh, is pretty funny. Um, Chris Evans has a has a really quick blink and you miss it cameo in Free Guy where he like pulls the Captain America shield and then it just cuts to, to Chris Evans in a coffee shop watching the fight on his phone. I don't know if you guys saw that movie, but he yeah. just says like, what the shit or something like that. Um, yeah, I... Uh, Really though, Matt Damon, because I had one more in Matt da- with Matt Damon that blew my mind, which is Euro Trip. Um, his weird cameo in Euro Trip is <laughs> one that I always the think about. The yeah. Yeah. What a weird low budget ca- cameo. And then you get like, this is like right after Born Identity, Matt Damon. You know what I mean? Like he's one of the biggest actors in the world and he just shows up and sings like a really, really like 
Wow, Raw Raw Identity G's song came first in that one. I'm pretty sure. Order? I'm That's pretty sure. Um, but it, even either way, he would have like it. It's post. Um, uh, Goodwill Hunting. It's you know Matt. It's post talented Mr. Ripley. It's you know it's pretty deep into his career. So Born Identity is 2002, and let's see Euro Trip. 2004 yeah so it is after the born identity isn't that crazy and saving private ryan and good yeah. hunting wow crazy right like what he's so like one weird. of the biggest actors in the world at this point and then he just shows up in this low budget comedy <laughs> has nobody else in it he's the biggest name in that it's movie so bizarre <laughs> what but it's weird. but it's awesome at the same time because it's genuinely... like the most catchy song <laughs> <laughs> I think that Matt Damon just really loved. Like, he's like, yeah, I'll just be in anything for a Fuck second. It. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, whatever. I don't give a that shit. Would be hilarious. Yeah. Put me in there, <laughs> yeah. dude. Wouldn't you want to be that guy though? Like that is yeah, so good. of course. That's like my dream. I want to be in career. every movie <laughs> in some kind of kind of limited capacity. Like, like I'll do my feature length ones and be rich, but I, I just want to have a scene in every movie. <laughs> like, just put me in all of it. Yes, to all of it. He has to be the king of the. Blink and you miss a cameo, right? Like it's gotta be is. Matt Damon. Hundred ten percent is. Yeah, I I I respect him for that, like a lot. Like I yeah, really do respect him for that. Um, but yeah, that was that was my topic. I I did put it to you guys, but then I didn't stick to it. Um, if you could recast a side character in a movie with a famous actor to create a cameo, Jeff, you said you actually came up with one. I'd love to hear it. Uh, came up with oh. I mean, a little bit cheap, but I'll keep bringing it back because ever since I found out this fact, it's always lived rent-free in my head. Um, essentially, the, the the role is to switch out a side character with a prominent actor. Yeah. Uh, uh, easy choice. Sean Connery for Gandalf. That's not That's a, not side, a character. side character. 100% side. <laughs> Gandalf is a thing. fucking side character, bro. That dude's in the film You're... for like five fucking minutes. He shows up, he gives some advice, and he leaves. The dude's gone. <laughs> The dude's You're got ridiculous. that whole film. He shows up. <laughs> the adventure happens. He disappears. He shows up at the whole Rivendell thing. He le- they 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 adventure goes for five minutes. He gets killed by a Balrog, and you don't see him again. Like, He's in the entire first movie. Not the entire first movie. A lot of that film the happens first without half. <laughs> I just first watched half this of shit. The first movie. He's gone. He's How gone. Give a, a side lot character that has scenes that focus on what he's doing. That's like, also just not what I was talking about. I meant like. Uh, you know, a gas station attendant in a movie. Like, what if that was Matt Damon? You know what I mean? That's more what I was talking about. <laughs> but but I do like that that's where you went. I mean, yeah, if we were choosing, like, other casting decisions, yeah. I would love to oh, see that movie. I've where got one. I've Sean got Connery one. Was Gandalf. Uh, I would have Sebastian Stan be Luke Skywalker in <laughs> Star Wars as the side character of choice. What character? Did you say it'd be Luke, Luke Skywalker? Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. That's the one that I would pick for a side character anyway. But like in The Last Jedi where he's the side character, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeff, I think you misunderstood the prompt. Um, Apparently. Dolph is a massive character in that franchise. The dude is gone the entire film. <laughs> the dude does nothing. He does nothing. He's one of the biggest characters. <laughs> yeah. I'd have Matt Damon as... Uh, Aragorn. He's a side character. He's not the main character. <laughs> Matt Damon, just insert here. Yeah. yeah. Um I would have 
Sean Connery play Haldir the elf. <laughs> There's a side character for you. But um, we're getting Sean Connery in there one way. The but other. we're getting Haldir in the two towers where he still has like a pretty big part in the plot. So I do <laughs> want to go back to Jeff's answer because you said you'd have Sean Connery play Gandalf. Yeah. I know that he was originally like they were trying to cast him as Gandalf when the production was happening. That's right. But yeah. Is this you stating that you think he would have done a better job? No. No, that is not. What I just want to see that movie. I though. just want to see that movie. I think that Ian McKellen is one of the best actors of the 20th century. I think that he's fucking incredible. Um, 21st century. What about the 21st century? 21st century. Um, We're in a new century now. And I think that uh, there's no way in hell that Sean Connery puts out a better performance. But it's still a movie that I desperately want to see. Yes, yeah, I mean I went desperately. I, he wants to see it. <laughs> he has to see it. <laughs> Absolutely desperate. Um, all right. Let's move into... Right. No, 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 no. I got one. I got one. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I would have Matt Damon deliver the watch up his ass monologue <laughs> in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. We're just going to insert Matt Damon into everything. Yeah. What mo- this? That's what I should have asked is what movie what character could have Matt Damon have played? <laughs> yeah. You see that Bill Murray uh, poster up on your wall behind your head? Yeah, I do have that. I would have Matt Which Damon. I might have to take us. that down, given all the weird allegations coming out about Bill Murray in the last month. I don't Uh-oh. know if you guys have I, seen I all of that, but that. he's kind of uh, persona non grata in Hollywood right now. So, um, yeah, I... Uh, God, is anybody is it... safe? <laughs> Apparently not. Um, the big four on, uh, on Reddit, big four celebrities are Bob Ross, who I guess at this point is pretty untouchable. Steve Irwin, same thing. Keanu Reeves, who's alive, but has never done anything wrong in his life. And I'm blanking on number four. There's a fourth one. Walter Matthau. No, um, no, it's, no, he's talking about um, uh, Mr. Rogers. Oh, no, it's Brendan. Oh, yeah, Mr. Rogers. And then now it's Brendan Fraser, too. So I guess you got to change it to the big five. But I do like anyway. Brendan Fraser. Yeah, um, but you're right. It was Mr. Rogers is the fourth. Mr. Rogers, yeah. So as How long many as confirmed those... kills does he have? Have you guys ever read <laughs> yeah. that legend online? Yeah. As long as you know what, it's funny because that gets touched on in his doc in the documentary. I don't know if you've seen that, but uh Will You Be My Neighbor or whatever? Yeah. That one? I haven't watched yeah. it. It's what did they say about it? It's it's pretty slow, not gonna lie. It feels like you're watching an episode of his show. <laughs> like, you know, how quiet and methodical it is or whatever. But they do mention that there were like strong rumors about that. I thought that that was more of a modern rumor about him, uh, you know, last 10 years or so. But apparently during his show's run, you know, that was a thing people talked about. Like people made like insinuations about that. Like, you know, oh yeah, like that's why he always wears a sweater is to hide his like confirmed kill count tattoo or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like little notches on his arm or whatever it is. Like Tyler, you know, I'm picturing the uh, the the sheriff or the, the the police officer from the show Wayne that you and I watched, where mm-hmm. he's like this to- totally respectable dude that's totally fine, and at the end of the, the show they realize that they reveal that he'd spent like 20 years in a Russian prison. <laughs> he's just yeah. got his entire body from neck down is just pure tattoos. Who played that character? I don't Was know. it Will Forte or something? I've never someone seen that. like that who is like you would never suspect what they do with him. Super but yeah. funny. But yeah, I could totally that show was very weird. I love that show. Um, If I could get get force a second show to have a second season or a show to have a second season, that's the show I'd pick. Um. All right, let's move into what's clever, Brian. What have you been watching, reading, listening to this week? Um, 
had a couple of good ones coming up last night after we watched uh, Little Shop of Horrors. We put on uh, 42, uh, the story of Jackie Robinson, and then right afterwards put on Race, the story of Jesse Owens. So we were on kind of a uh, racial desegregation and sports yeah, kick last it, night. And it, those really two movies are basically identical. Uh, you know, it's just about you know an incredible black athlete overcoming some serious adversity in society to just kick the shit out of a bunch of white guys in sports <laughs> but uh it's Remind, both correct me movies. if i'm wrong but chadwick boseman is Jackie 42 Robinson in yeah that, that was movie, our right? reason for putting yeah. it on we just felt like watching something with chadwick in it but uh yeah and then um we I think it was the first movie i saw him in and was like whoa yeah there's something here this guy's good yeah he's talented and he played a great jackie robinson too by the way um we also recently discovered that with uh the amazon access that we have for amazon prime we also have access to paramount plus and there's a lot of great shows oh to binge shit. on there um so yeah. we've been watching uh ink master on there because there's only <laughs> two seasons on netflix there's and some so really just, great we, shows really high quality and we chose ink master though dude, we wanted something low quality well no 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 it's it's <laughs> sorry I, I should be more clear paramount plus has a lot of good reality tv shows uh, there. i see yeah I if see. you want good quality in-depth shows go to like hbo max or something but uh yeah, we, we watch Inca Master. We love that show just because the artwork's cool and it's fun to like judge people even though we don't know what the hell we're talking about. But um, so that that's a show. That's a great like time waster binge. Um, that's that's pretty much it on the sh the shows and movie end. Um, we or I also got an early birthday present. Two K twenty three NBA Two K twenty three on PS five. So I've been playing that the last few days. And in this version, because it's the number 23 version, saw the return of the the Jordan moments. I don't know, if Jeff, if you knew that that's yeah, in this version. Yeah, you and I had had this conversation already. Oh, okay, yeah. So back in 2011, I think, or the 2K11 version had a, uh, like a side game where you can play like the top 10 Jordan moments from Michael Jordan's career, like him beating some team almost single-handedly or... Him playing, you know, sick with the flu, and you're kind of playing like, you know, right. under the weather in your character. Specific like playoff performance, out. and you have to beat yeah, his stats him that he achieved. Certain buzzer beaters and things like that. And we had a, a great time playing it back in those days. Um, and this version brought back that same thing, but has like added on it. Like he won a national championship his freshman year in college and hit the game winning shot. So I, I got to play through that entire game where he's playing against uh patrick ewing and georgetown in the championship game as a freshman and i'm just having a lot of fun uh playing back through that mode and and, and getting to play the new version of the game i will say say jeff the uh, uh in the, the game that we were playing i think we were playing 2k21 together maybe or 2k 2k20 uh, there's a thing called the neighborhood where you can take your created character that you play through a career with and you could take them to a neighborhood setting where there's like basketball courts where you can play against other players online or you can go to shops and like customize your character's uh, gear. Uh, they've now changed that to the city and it's like a big old metropolis and there's like all kinds of crazy shit that I've barely even scratched the surface of exploring. But it's like a much more expanded version of that uh, with a lot of fun stuff. Um, I'm just enjoy, picturing... So them really leaning into the Michael Jordan since NBA will just continue to use Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's uh, image 
as often as possible because it's like the fifth NBA game they've released that tries to like capitalize on it. Right. And I'm, I'm picturing just instead of having your own played character, you just have your own created Michael Jordan. Everyone's just got their own Michael Jordan running around with different styles. Yeah, no, no, we, it's it's the same thing as before with the neighborhood, but just more expanded and you know more options, things to do. So, um, super fun game so far. I've I've barely had any time to play, but uh, you know I've been really enjoying it. So that, that's it for me on what's clever. Cool, Jeff. Yeah, I had a busy week. I uh, flew to the East Coast and back. And on those flights, I watched a number of films. Uh, first thing I watched was 3,000 Years of Longing. Idris Elba plays a genie. Oh, I really wanted to see this. It's entertaining. It's uh, essentially the story. George Miller. George Miller directed Mad Max's own. It's visually impressive. Um, without spoiling anything, it's the story of uh, this woman uh it's tilda swinton uh who is what she calls a narrativologist um she basically just records and tells stories she goes around doing lectures and and her purpose right now is trying to determine whether or not society still needs religion because religion was used to explain natural phenomena but now science is catching up and is almost able to explain many of the things that we used to be confused by so whether or not we still need religion mythology and, and these other functionalities and then she comes across a genie um and the, she, uh, the genie's trying to convince her to make wishes because she, being a narrativologist, is aware of all of the cautionary tales surrounding genies. And so in order to win her trust, he tells her all of the stories of his past owners going all the way back to the Queen of Sheba. I really, really cherished the historical aspect of this film, of seeing all of these historic people, historic uh, cultures, was very fun. Um, third act obviously takes a bit of a twist. Um, you'll have to see it for yourself whether or not it's something you guys enjoy. Um, I found it entertaining. Where did you watch it? Uh, I watched it on a plane. They yeah. usually get oh, early releases. Yeah, that sounds good. Planes. I'd like to watch that. I really want to see it. Um, I wanted to see it in theaters, but it literally came out like the first week that my son came home from the hospital. So there was, <laughs> I could not convince my wife to, Priorities to let me leave <laughs> I, two hours. So. I watched two other films. I watched uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, Nicolas Cage. Uh, I watched this too. I probably enjoyed this the most out of the three films that I watched. I found it very entertaining. I found it, I, I loved the idea of Nicolas Cage being kind of plagued by a super obsessed younger version of himself who is driving him into self-delusion and superstardom and just keeping him yeah. constantly self-confident, um, um, entertaining. So and yeah. Pedro Pascal playing this just genuinely just excited dude to hang out with Nick Cage and make a movie. I don't know, it's it's a funny film. I, I, I feel like it would be like if I got, like, while I was watching, I was like, this is exactly probably how I would act around Nicolas Cage. I'd be like, I don't want to be, like, obsessive. I, like, I've seen all your movies and I really like you, but, like, you know, I'm going to act like we're cool or whatever. But it was just, yeah, very funny. I really liked it. Um, and I highly recommend it. It's mm -hmm. on uh, HBO Max, I think, or Amazon, maybe. I don't know. It's on one of the streaming services right now for free so, if you have one of those subscriptions. So mm -hmm. find I it. I also watched uh, Uncharted on Netflix. Um, mm. Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg. I, I don't know. I didn't have super high hopes for this film because of the, the reviews. I had some friends who'd seen it and saying how much they didn't enjoy it. Because of that, my expectations were set even lower. And I actually enjoyed this film. I, I recognized all of the, the faults where they were. All my friends are completely correct. There are some massive plot holes. They, they basically are helicoptering around 
thousand year old ships and like crashing them into mountainsides and yet yeah, we're not seeing the ships completely break apart so like there are some pretty major plot holes in this film which sure that being said it is enjoyable the games themselves are extremely fantastical not based in reality you do incredible things i mean if anything nathan drake takes a significant less amount of bullets that he does in the actual game um yeah well that's most games to movies because like in every game you're like I'm sort of saying, superhuman in how many bullets you can take. He also dies like, way less. I've I've yeah. had <laughs> I've had friends who were like, oh, it's not like the games at all. And I'm like, well, in the games, you're taking 15 bullets and the wind gets knocked out of you. Like, what what are you complaining about exactly? It's not like the uh, game at all. You don't die and respawn on the same level a hundred times before you pass through. Yeah. Um, I it, echo that. I watched this that movie a couple months back, and um, I came in with like the lowest expectations and walked away having enjoyed it. I was like, wow, I honestly, I thought that that was pretty good for what it was. You know, it, I can see all of its faults. It's actually the same way I felt about black Adam. I walked into black Adam thinking, you know, it was going to be trash. And then was like, I walked away and being like, you know what? It wasn't perfect, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was fun. Speaking so, of, sorry, that's sp- trying sp- to go into black Panther next week with the worst, this is a, this terrible expectation. So I can be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Um, no, I read an article just super, super quick that, uh, there's starting to be some friction between, or some reported friction, some rumors that, that Dwayne Johnson is maneuvering for a larger role within the DC universe. He wants essentially the central role of the DC universe, kind of like comparatively to Iron Man from the Marvel Cinematic Universe before Henry Cavill can step in and take it, which I thought was an interesting from what I read, from what I read, the only reason that Henry Cavill is back is because The Rock basically was like, I will walk away if he's not the Superman. So that's what I read is that basically Henry Cavill owes his Superman job to The Rock at this point. From what um, I read, uh, <laughs> no, nah, I don't have anything. I don't read. But I do think that for sure The Rock is trying to be like, no, base this entire thing around me. Like, I want it to be about me. Yeah, why don't we just base it around everybody. all of them like they do in Marvel? Like none of them is really a well, main yeah. Guy. But there is the there is the show. core three that were like the big people in in like the big three in sure. Marvel at I mean, first, right? And it was Thor, Cap, and Iron Man. That's fine, even but not any one person. I disagree because like half of the Marvel villains are all characters that were slighted by Iron Man. Every single Marvel villain, every single Iron Man sure. villain was someone. That's who was just because by Iron he's Man. the easiest one to pin it all on because he's the tech based hero. He's well, got he's... a lot of gravitas too, but like it, it, I don't know. That's I, my I point. Is Black Adam wants like the Rock wants that that central role where like in Marvel, all of the Avengers villains, everyone is like, I've heard of Iron Man. I'm here to kill Iron Man, and the rest of the Avengers are fighting them, and. Uh, I'd be yeah. fine with it. I don't really care. Just make fucking movies. Black Adam is too much of a side character in the comics. He doesn't I agree. have enough villains to to basic like he know, is a most villain. of the big villains in DC come from Batman. So I, yep, they sorry, gotta Rock, just go you're with too a, big for Batman. They gotta just go with a civil uh, war esque storyline where he is causing division by not being your typical story, you know hero, and he has an, a convincing enough argument to pull some of the heroes away and create odds. You know, I think that would be the best way to do it. And then you can have him be a central guy on the bad side or, or on the the opposing side or whatever. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. I don't yeah, I don't know what DC's gonna do. They're kind of in a hole. If anyone can do it, it's James Gunn though. So I have I have hope high hopes. Um 
Let's see what I had on my list. Uh, Man Seeking Woman uh, was a series from like five years ago about a guy who's newly single in his late 20s and trying to figure out the dating world. And they literalize a lot of things. So like his sister sets him up on a blind date with a girl with a like a troll, which is a girl who's really ugly and has bad manners. And that person is an actual troll. Right. It's like an actual troll is on the date with him or um, that. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. It was very funny. I watched all of it in like four days because it was expiring on Hulu. I don't know where it's at now. If you can find it, watch it. It's very good. Um, I watched Barbarian on Halloween and it was the first horror movie I've watched in a while that actually scared me. Like genuinely, I was like, wow, this is actually like I'm actually kind of stressed out about this. Brian, did you end up watching it? I did not. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Very what what is that one on again? HBO Max. Um, do not watch any trailers for it. Go in like I did, where I knew nothing about what was going on, and um, it you it will yeah, it's it's good, it's intense. Uh, I watched uh the first season of Key and Peele because it was recommended to me on Netflix, I think, and uh, or somewhere I don't know, but very funny. Um, that first episode where they do the I said bitch joke uh, really rings true now that I'm married. <laughs> uh, I was like, this is this is very funny. Um, and then I watched Enola Holmes 2 last night on Netflix. Did either of you guys watch this? No. Did you guys watch the first one? No. Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill playing Enola Holmes and Sherlock Holmes, respectively. Um pretty lightweight family fun mystery style uh movies you know they're it's like relatively low stakes but at the same time you know there's murder and intrigue or whatever um i like them i think that they're you know they're definitely for like a younger audience than me but i i still find enjoyment in it the only thing is Henry Cavill being cast as Sherlock Holmes is probably one of the biggest miscastings I've ever seen in a, in a set of films. He's a behemoth. He's so big. And like yeah, Sherlock I Holmes. That. I hate that. Like it's nothing to do with his character. He, he does a fine job acting as the character, I guess. It's just, I'm just like, you don't look like Sherlock Holmes. To me. You're too hot, man. Like you're way too attractive. He has like this like incredible hair throughout all of it. And he's just like very like tri- like very proper style. Like, he looks like good. Superman cosplaying as Sherlock Holmes, huh? He's too, he's way too handsome. Like Sherlock Holmes should not be that good looking. Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> that's, that immediately makes me not want to watch it at all. I, you know what? The movies are like, it's good, but like, yeah, the whole time, every time he was on screen, I was just like, what a weird casting decision. Like, it has to just be based on like recogni- recognizability. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's his, his ability to pull in viewers. Exactly. And you know what? He's, he's very charming. He plays well enough. Like, he doesn't ever come, like, I would never, I don't think that Henry Cavill comes off as like too blockheaded or whatever. Like, Sylvester Stallone as Sherlock Holmes would be an insane casting because he's so like, you know, he's such a like wise guy, hey, whatever, you know, um, you couldn't, he couldn't play like a smart character. What? <laughs> first off, good first off that's gonna, that 
casting decision <laughs> would haunt my nightmares. But uh, <laughs> second off, I, I think I, I get where Henry Cable would be interested in a role like this to try to like break out of the mold of being the hunky, good-looking superhero guy. Big but and strong. I would but... say take the same um, road that Chris Evans is doing, where like he did uh, whatever that movie was with Gosling on Netflix, and he plays the bad guy that was still like... I mean, Henry Cavill did play the bad guy in Mission Impossible. Which I love that role. I love that role for him. Like, I I absolutely love that character. And so, like, that's 100% it. Like, just keep doing shit like that where it's, like, completely breaking you out of your Superman mold. But at the same time, um, you know, you still play something that kind of fits. Like, where Chris Evans still got to be a little bit physical, but he still got to do, like, quirky personality things that made him very different from Captain America. Like, I just think Henry Cavill doesn't need to be doing... Sherlock Holmes that feels like just a you know he like he took that job from somebody more deserving <laughs> yeah know? very weird miscast for me but it still works like it's fine you know it serves the purpose for the movie that we're, you're watching but yeah it definitely takes me out of it because I'm just like this is just not a character especially being like as much of a fan of like the Sherlock Holmes books and movies um throughout time it's just such a strange casting decision to me um but yeah, did anyone else have anything else uh, they want to talk about before we wrap up? Jeff, you're picking the movie for next week. That's right. Um, I have the topic picked out already too, but I gotta pick my personal favorite musical. I looked through a couple different musicals out there to make sure I wasn't missing any, but I just have to. Uh, I don't think either of you guys have seen it. We're gonna listen to um, listen to. We're gonna watch "Singing in the Rain." It's on I HBO Max. Movie. Okay. Sounds good. And while Brian, <laughs> while Brian will hate the film itself, that's fine. Um, the topic that I've chosen is something that he will enjoy if he is around to uh, to talk about it. And if he can't make it to the recording, then he doesn't have to watch. Come the on, film. baby. Come on, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you heard me complain about an '80s musical for the selection and you were last like, week. What if and you were like, we what if went, we did a '50s musical? What if we went all the way yeah. back to 1962? Brian, <laughs> do you remember how I told you I had no intention of ever watching the film It, and then you followed that up by choosing the movie It? I had already selected it for that episode. <laughs> I have already selected this one. Oh my god, I've selected myself to just die today. I just don't want to watch that movie. Yeah, I mean, odds are Brian's not going to be on next week, so he he he's going to hold off until Sunday. And then watch yeah, it. Yeah, that's going to be a late watch. <laughs> that's going to be a late watch for me until I have no other option. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and join us next week for Singing in the Rain. Thanks, Bye. everybody. Thank you for listening to the Clever Kids Podcast. If you want more from us, be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Clever Kids Pod everywhere. Or you can get in touch with us at cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to rate us on whatever app you're listening on and recommend us to a friend. We really appreciate it. Or don't. Whatever's clever. <laughs> <laughs>